Hello everyone, I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route to the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food production and food consumption. My calendar says it's Wednesday. That means that checking in from somewhere in an undisclosed location near Goats in New Jersey. It's J.C. Cole. Yes, that is true. <clears throat> and uh, hopefully the goats are close to the location. <laughs> well, yeah. they will continue to be west of the Hudson River. They won't cross that river. And I don't know what the river, the Susquehanna River through Pennsylvania, that's probably your other, your west boundary. So that's where your goats no, are no. going to be. No, Susquehanna is in the middle. We're kind of in the eastern middle of uh, Pennsylvania, the yeah. Delaware River, the Delaware oh. River between New Jersey and uh, uh, Pennsylvania. Oh, I didn't have that one in my head. Oh, right. so you're, you're going to be between those two rivers. Yeah, and uh, yeah, between uh, the Hudson and uh, the Delaware. And actually, yeah. New Jersey is just one big peninsula. It only has a 40-mile land bridge at the top with New York, uh, state of New York. Um, Knock me over. I had no idea. It's totally surrounded with water. <clears throat> yeah, you live on get an off. island. Yeah, huh? You well, live on an island. A peninsula. We're attached. Right. Um. Um, so a peninsula is actually means half, uh, half island. So, so we're, uh, <clears throat> you know, I have to travel about an hour and a half north to get to other land, uh, unless I want to swim. <laughs> so that right. connection, the 40 mile land bridge you're talking about is on the Northern tier of New Jersey. Correct. Right at the peak, right at the tip. Huh. And, uh, that's, um, Fort Jervis. Yeah. And then it kind of goes directly east to roughly West Point in New York and the and the Hudson. So does the Delaware River actually go to Delaware? Um, I believe it does, um, but that's the major river that is at um, uh, Philadelphia. Uh, so the port of Philadelphia where the river widens mm. out quite a lot. And right there, just um, in, uh, south of Philadelphia, where uh, it is uh, one of our naval bases. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Delaware River goes pretty much into New York State, a good amount. I used to canoe it when I was younger as a Boy Scout all the time. Wonderful river to canoe. But these days... You know, now with all the litigation and property rights, it's very hard to canoe down and camp on the side of a river. Um, that, that's and, ridiculous. Yes. And it also has a bit of white water in it, too. I've sunk mm. a few times in the Delaware. <laughs> mm. Right. Oh, those wonderful, youthful adventures. Yeah. I'm just not a water guy, to be honest. I'm pretty happy with the prairie. Well, I'm kind of a mountain lake sky and river. Uh, I like that better. I don't like the ocean much. <clears throat> um, I mean, you know, it's beautiful to look at, but uh, nah. Tried to be out on a windsurfer and then all of a sudden realized there are sharks. <laughs> it creates too much CO2 for me. I try to stay away from the ocean. Right, 
Right. So. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> yes. It does so, create a lot so, of CO2. So, so uh, you know, it looks like it's been a busy week while we were, you know, um, planning our Christmas. Let us, let us get into finishing the, um, the stories of the Advents. So, you know, um, there are four Advents. Uh, the Sunday's coming up um, before uh, Christmas. And now we're coming up to the fourth Advent, which is December the 24th. So we covered off on my adventures of the first Christmas tree, right? Um, the first decorated building, the first um, uh, nativity, the first uh, uh, Christmas market. Well, how did this all start? Well, it turns out that, you know, my mom raised us and she started collecting Christmas ornaments. My mom came out of the depression, very poor, and so did my dad. And, uh, and uh, they, they started climbing the, the, the ladder. And so my mom valued antique Christmas ornaments when I was as young as five years old. So she kind of raised us all collecting Christmas ornaments, right? And she was successful and so to, to, um, um, in business. And so it was very difficult to give her a gift that she really liked, unless you found a unique antique Christmas ornament. So we were trained in this and I went over to uh, Latvia and a lot of what we're going to discuss are, are, um, are on our belief systems mm -hmm. and unfortunately most uh, belief systems are really many of them are not based in fact they're based in what we think is correct and so uh, when i went over to uh, uh eastern europe i thought that the soviets didn't have christmas trees well part of that was correct because you know uh, lenin said the opium of the people are is religion and um so, so I had a, an incredible assistant named Nadia, uh, who spoke three languages perfectly, including English better than I. And, um, and so she asked me, she goes, well, what is your mom like? And I said, well, well, geez, you know, mom can have anything she wants, um, um, but uh, Christmas ornaments, but you guys don't have Christmas ornaments. And she said, well, no, not really true. And she she brought in um, while I was returning home the first year to go to uh, have Christmas in New Jersey. She brought in uh, six old Christmas ornaments, probably from the 50s, 1950s, in a box and says, here, give these to your mom. And I'm you sure. She goes, hey, yeah, yeah. And it's like, so I brought them home to mom. And my mom was like, oh, my God, these are gorgeous. And, oh, yeah, it's kind of like we all have our idiosyncrasies, right? And, and oh, 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 these are wonderful. And then my mom goes, are there any more? <laughs> I'm like, well, well, geez, mom, I, I don't know. <laughs> That's so, not spoken so, like a true mother. I mean, it's like, be appreciative of what you get, JC. <laughs> exactly. And and so I said, okay. So so, so I went back, back to Latvia and, you know, and I said to uh, Nadia, my mother, thank you very much for these. They were wonderful. And she asks if there are any more. And Nadia goes, yeah, everybody has them. 
I go, well, you don't have Christmas. How can you have them? Oh, well, it turns out, as best as I understand Soviet history, Lenin canceled Christmas. And there was such an uproar over the lack of the celebration that they decided to move it to New Year's and reinstate it as a New Year's celebration, just remove everything religious. So the Soviets, so that would be the Russians, the Latvians, the Estonians, everybody would celebrate New Year's with a tree, right? And actually in, in Latvian, it's called the Egle, which basically translates to spruce, um, but it means the celebration tree. And they still had glass ornaments. All right. Except not, nothing to do with religion. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, so a little bit of a, a sideline. Um, <clears throat> the first glass ornament was actually created in a tiny little mountain town in um, eastern Germany uh, called Lauschau. Um, where they were miners, and uh, the guy had figured out how to blow glass and and coat the inside with silver, right? So it's reflective. Oh, okay. And and so that was the 1830s. Yeah. Right. And then what happens if you actually looked at all the uh, ornaments, right? They almost are always made of materials that are very inexpensive because. In those days, you had to count pennies. So why would you take something expensive and put it on a Christmas tree, right? right. You take something inexpensive like um, um, glass or dough or time is out. Yes? Yes. Roll out. You're reading body language well. More after this. Let's talk about some real music that takes us back to our roots. Our roots as a Christian nation, our country roots. Greg Hager writes his own music. I'm proud to partner with Greg. Be glad to be. He traveled with us on the Across the Pond tour. He made that event. Except Brush. He missed the Brush Colorado because he'd already had a previous engagement. But his ability to capture the essence of what it means to be an American is pretty incredible. GregHagerMusic.com. You can check that out. Book him to come to an event. He and his wife, Andrew, just do a fantastic job. I'm proud to partner with them. Certified Piedmontese, we deliver the tender beef to your door. You don't need to go to the store. Get more details about how the Great Plains cattlemen have worked together to produce a most consistent supply of tender beef you can find. Order today, cpbeef.com. Welcome back. Roll route. J.C. Cole walking us through the last week of Advent and telling us that you put Nothing of value in a Christmas ornament, except you said silver. No, they, they learned to coat it. Oh. So it was very little. And, and um, that's why uh, the uh, ornaments are, they, they're blown glass. And then they have like a silver deposit inside um, to reflect the, the, the light and, and sparkle. Right? And so um, um, You'd make, if you actually go to Eastern Europe, you will find that they make uh, some ornaments out of dough, which is fairly inexpensive, little ornaments, or or carved wood, or what's known as spun cotton, right? Uh, That they make little figures out of cotton. Um, So 
So someplace about 1880s, somebody figured it, this out, these ornaments, and brought them to Woolworth's Five and Dime. And then the first time that they said, well, we're not sure that you're going to sell. So the guy says, I'll tell you what, I'll put them up on consignment. If nothing sells, uh, whatever doesn't sell, I'll buy back. Woolworth sold out totally. Mm-hmm. And that started the Americans decorating with glass ornaments their Christmas tree. Really? Yeah, a little bit of history here. So, of course, that was drummed into me by my mother. <laughs> so let's get back to Latvia. I said, well, okay, so so you have these glass ornaments. Nothing has to do with Jesus or religion, but, um, well, well um, how? And, and everybody has them. How do we find them? And she goes, well, well we don't know. And, and this is where you, when you're in uncharted territory, which we are in right now, we're in uncharted territory, but I know there is, you have to come up with stra- uh, strategies on how to get through it. So I said, well, uh, you know, um, she goes, all the grandmothers, which in Russian is babushka, and in Latvian it's vetsmamina, right, um, have them. And, um, but there's this one, a uh, weekly magazine that's for free that they read. I said, oh, okay, let's put an ad in that, right, for, for uh, you know, Christmas toys. Actually, they're called Christmas toys. Uh, no, ac- the actual translation in Latvian is tree toys. So, so it means the New Year's tree, tree toys. And, because it um, can't have a Christmas connotation. Correct. Got it. Right. And and, and uh, so we put an ad in the paper. And then, you know, it's like one Monday I go, well, when's that ad run? Well, it runs today. Oh, my God. The phone started ringing. <laughs> and and this lady, I mean, it's like nine o'clock in the morning. Boom. The phone rings. The lady goes, are you the people who buy tree toys? Uh, yeah. Well, how much do you pay? Uh, I don't know. I didn't have a strategy on it. No one's ever seen these right. So I had to go, um, maybe a dollar, um, maybe five dollars, you know, because an antique Christmas ornament at that time in, in America would be $25, you know. And I said, okay, so boom, she'll be there and I'll be there in 10 minutes. And she was. And I said, wow, I've never seen anything like this. And I said, oh, okay, I'll give you $2 for that one. I was just pulling it out of the air. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And uh, so I bought them. And I go, wow, that was pretty good. And then the phone started ringing and ringing and ringing. <laughs> and, my, and I don't know. I, I, anybody who's been to Russia knows that there's this, this um, uh, let's say, dilemma or, or weirdness that you have these long-legged, knock out beautiful women using everything God gave them to manipulate men, right? Um, that are 20 or 30 years old. And then by the time they get to seven day, they shrank about one foot and expanded about two feet called the babushka <laughs> and, and are dressed in, and dressed in scarves. And you know, literally you're going, how is this? How has this happened that you have these stunning women and then you have and there's nothing, there's like the missing link in between. But anyway, yeah. so my, my office gets invaded with babushkas carrying little buckets. 
And I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? I'm trying to run a chamber of commerce in a real estate investment company. And I got all these people. And of course, you know, and I had no strategy. And so finally I started to come up with a strategy and I said, okay, well, let's line up everything you have on, on, on the desk. And they might have like 30 ornaments. And, and I said, okay, this one's really good. This one, this one, this one, and that one, those are medium and those I'm not interested in. And I said, well, okay. And then finally I started to get down to, I'll give you, you know, um, 10 cents for this one, uh, um, 15 cents for that one, five for that one. And those I'm not interested in. So that's a total of like, let's say uh, $3 as an example. Yeah. And, and, uh, um, and then she goes, oh, oh, okay, fine. I'll take the $3. And then, and then, then it got to, and I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you five, $5 for everything. And she goes, oh, okay. And then I get them all. Right. <laughs> and, and, and then I started to realize that there was a difference. You know, I was listening to my, uh, my interpreter, that there was a difference between the Latvian grandmothers and the Russian grandmothers, even though they looked the same in negotiations. Really? Yeah. And it turned out it's Russian is a big country. So are we, we're very outgoing and we're very, kind of pushy and whatnot. Latvians are a tiny country. They've learned to be quiet behind the scenes and 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 um how do you say um hmm. let's say a little bit on the cunning side, but yeah. never expose their position. Well they've been stomped on for 800 years by foreigners. I could understand that part. So so uh the Latvians would never name a price. Of course, anybody who took negotiations go, the first thing you do is go, well, how much you want for it? And then the Latvian grandmothers would go, well, how much are you going to give me? Well, how much do you want for it? Well, how? So one day I decided to test this. I literally went 10 minutes back and forth with this woman going, well, how much you want for it? Well, how much will you give me? And you came. Well, how much do you want for it? Yeah, and you know, finally, I came because I'm on the I'm on the clock of 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 what's my what's the cost of my you know my uh, my yeah. workout. I said, finally, yeah, okay. So I came. They said, I'll give you five dollars. Well, that's not enough. <laughs> so then another interesting thing, I get to the Russians. Russians would be much more straightforward. Well, how much you want for them? Twenty five dollars. Twenty five dollars why so much? And that was a lot of money at that time. She goes, well, that's how much I have. Um, I have to pay my apartment with, and this is the only thing I have. And, and you know, like, that's so smart. Had, well, it was smart in survival, but it was totally ignoring the value of, of, of the, of the. Yeah. yeah, yeah but she, she understood negotiations. She can always come down. She can't go up. Well, that's true. And, and that would be more on the Russian side. So then what ended up happening was um, I ended up buying something about 1,500 to 2,000 ornaments, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it cost me more to ship them home. Yeah, and I'm so sure. I, so I call up my mom and I go, go to Newark Airport and pick up a package. And there'd be three. And take a pickup. <laughs> three large boxes and she closed down the real estate office and all of her real estate people were out there looking at the new ornaments right because they're things we haven't seen well what, right. the, what, what during the soviets what was allowed was um let's say their uh folklore um their uh stories like um alibaba and the 40 thieves 
So I'd often get a sultan and, and Alibaba um, um, or uh, cosmonauts, they're astronauts, right? Or, um, or fruit. Right. Um, fruit was a very popular same in, in, in England, I'm, I'm um, Europe, um, of decorating um, with fruit and, and, um, and nuts because they were available during the winter, right? Along with sparkling things. And also a little bit of political statement, such as the hammer and sickle. So I'm probably one of the only people who has a hammer and sickle on his Christmas tree. <laughs> it's like definitely in the United States. Yes, right, yeah. and and also also a very rare hand blown missiles, ICBM oh. missiles. Oh wow! Right, and and uh, of course people don't know that the Russians named theirs Mir, which in Russian translates to peace. So their ICBM missiles were named Peace. So I actually have on the Christmas tree an ICBM missile. Named Peace. Yeah, <laughs> named name Peace. Right. Second half of Peace be with you after this. National Western, 17 days, one day until the shortest day of the year. 17 days to the start of the National Western. Something very interesting I discovered this morning. Did you know that the first National Western was actually in 1874? Why is that significant? Well, because Colorado did not become a state until 1876. The very first livestock show in Denver was before statehood. We're going to celebrate the culture of everything Colorado and what resource providers have done to improve humanity and the planet. Denver, Colorado, National Western, online, nationalwestern.com. Welcome back. We're all out. Trent Loose alongside J.C. Cole joining us from the peninsula, otherwise known as New Jersey. Yes. So, so let's finish up on the, the Christmas adventures. So, so one of the other things is that um, the Russians don't have Santa Claus. They have um, um, a figure known as Det Moros, which is Father Frost. Okay, so he's like kind of Santa Claus, but he's all in white. Mm-hmm. Same, same concept, brings around gifts to the children. Um, and he, but he has an assistant, right? Not Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He has an assistant named Snigorichka, which is the snow maiden, which is this, generally this beautiful, like, 17-year-old knockout um, dressed up, um, you know, in, in, uh, in, in uh, traditional garb. So, so they had statues. So now we have a whole bunch of these statues of Det Moros and Snigorichka at our house, too. Right, so so this um this all this all led to my mom had so many ornaments from her own collection and the collection I gave. It first of all, I paid off my college tuition. But my mom was so happy, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 uh, um that uh, she put up one year thirteen Christmas trees. You know, now not all of them were full size, but a oh few of them were. Goodness. Yes. And then she started doing themes like this Christmas tree is only uh, uh, fruits and vegetables and, and, and nuts. 
And uh, this Christmas tree is um, patriotic. By the way, if people don't know, the, the U.S. government, um, the White House puts out an ornament every year, a different ornament every year. Some of them are quite nice. So does right. the Nebraska and, State Capitol. Yeah, and and so um, the <laughs> I I happened to be home at that time, and all of a sudden two bus loads, big buses, a pull up uh, of the American Folk Art Museum in New York City, and and my mom's home gets invaded with with about sixty New Yorkers who are on a tour of about five houses in New Jersey of Christmas ornaments. Seriously. And it was like all of these people coming in, looking at my mom's Christmas collection. And then the collection goes to other things like tree stands and, and, um, okay. oh, uh, carved statues. And one, one day I had, uh, one time I had a, a nutcracker, uh, which was about a three foot tall made in Latvia and brought home for her. Right. So um, out of wood, I mean, real wood. And all of a sudden in this group was a guy named Christopher Radko. Now, I wouldn't expect necessarily you to know that. But if for those who collect Christmas ornaments, Radko is the top designer now in Christmas ornaments. Really? So here we had the top guy in the country um, on Christmas ornaments there and its business. And why I bring this up is because I looked at Radco's. They, 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 they sell for about $100 a piece, some of the top ones. Now, we just talked about you decorate your Christmas tree with the cheapest materials you have. Absolutely. Which, to me, is one more indication that our entire system is peaking and going to crash. To spend $100 on an ornament that you're only going to look at for a week or two every year just to me is ludicrous ludicrous right and it shows the indulgence of our of our system and and i think that where the collapse is coming in this year and moving right along well think about it and talk about indulgence i mean right up until 2020 and i have not seen any numbers since the debacle of 2020 but until 2020, Americans spent 17% of their disposable income on entertainment and 7% on food. You want to talk about an indulgence? Yeah, and that's going to change real quick, and it is changing. So, yeah. so uh, let's, let's tackle the big issue that happened this, this week. Before right. we tackle that, from a genetic standpoint, why... Why are those Russian women so beautiful, so tall, and the way they are? It makes no genetic sense to me whatsoever. Well, after my my manhood was, you know, <laughs> going, wow, this is cool, <laughs> right? Um, I I tried, I scratched my head, and I and I I think I figured it out. If you look what happened in Eastern Europe and Russia mm -hmm. since since uh, the 1900s. They were always at war, and there was an always a shortage of good of men. They're all killed at war. And uh, for instance, if um, somebody was killed during World War II, the wife would never remarry again because there were no other men. Okay, and so the old school, and you probably you know if you come from your 
lineage comes from that area. The grandmother would always pound it into the, the granddaughter's um, uh, head that she was over the hill at 18. Believe me, I, I had this said to me by a very beautiful 20-year-old 20 20-year-old 20 Russian. Um, my grandmother says I'm over the hill. I'm there like, wow, you're just starting to get interesting. I mean, yeah. So, so, so <laughs> what happens? What happens if you actually look at our 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 species? The man is um, to go out and provide, and the women are to find a good provider. Mm-hmm. Now that might sound showbiz, but that's the way it is. And so the the woman control, and believe me, the Russian women control the house. There's no argument there. And so. To find a good man, when there's a shortage of men, you use everything you have, including staying lean and and uh, mean as in the and and you know we actually had to come in. You know, all of a sudden I realized my office was like twelve women, all of who were actually very stunning, and we had to put in a dress code that they had to cover up their cleavage. They weren't allowed to do, you know, wear certain things. And they were like, well, why? And it's like, because we're trying to have a meeting and your cleavage is showing and it's very distracting. Well, why? Well, I'm not going to explain it to you. <laughs> These are the rules. So it's actually just a competition. It's a, Well, it's a competition for life. And yeah, then even right. worse is, even worse is because of all of the wars coming in and out, you have different cultures. So you had the Latvian women competing with the Russian women. Mm-hmm. Right and oh my goodness, right and um, the, the 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 cat hissing that I'd hear, um, and and you know and and it's it's survival of the fittest, right and and uh, you know and and even worse when I got to Latvia, there were five percent more women than men at that particular time. That's a big difference, right? Yeah, and so the women. The women used everything they had to land a good man, and of course, it, it was it had a um, a reverse, a double edged sword. The men then thought that they were desirable and would not be loyal, which just added to the mess, right? I remember one time, um, you know, I was dating my wife, and I got up on Saturday morning and I cooked breakfast, and she told her work uh, colleagues that my husband cooked. Uh, or my boyfriend cooked uh, um, a breakfast for me, and they were "What? No, my 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 husband's never cooked for me." You know, it's like, well, well, this is, you know, this is kind of where our beliefs came from, you know, right. and 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 so so we're looking at the belief systems again. We are in a battle of belief systems, and the belief systems of the old school there, and how to survive. Right. And of course, then you get you get I hate to say this, but you get men in their 50s going over to do work. Right. And um, and this living a women's liberation and all this. And and all of a sudden this hot, like 25 year old. Right. Starts hitting on them. A lot of divorces from Western men going over. I've seen ambassadors you know, who got divorced and married uh, a woman from there. Right. That's an, uh, I, what you said makes absolute sense to me. And it's just very interesting. And um, with your belief system and the world that we're accustomed to, but it it always comes back to competition, no matter what it is, even, 
even the bucks, the deer that you have so many of in New Jersey, the whole concept behind the bigger rack is uh, to be more appealing to a mate. Yeah. And, and, um, right. And now if you look someplace behind the scenes, some entities are trying to change that. They're trying to, right. right, You know, it's like, okay. The laws of nature. Yeah. Right. Oh, you're six years old. You should be able to choose what sex you are. Um, No, No, you shouldn't. Yeah. You know, do you let your six-year-old uh, handle your investment portfolio? Well, you're letting him <laughs> handle your heirs, you know. Uh, and and yeah. uh, and this is the crazy time we're in, which means that the entire thing is peaking, right? I mean, we're going to. I mean, morally, financially, um, um, energy-wise, I mean, it's all peaking at the same time, yeah. Right, and of course, this is uncharted territory. So we just have a minute and a half, but now that we've blown up what you wanted to do in this segment, how does the uh, Japan purchase of U.S. steel factor into all of that? At a time when Japan had an interest rate of negative 1.2. Well, I think what happens behind the scenes is uh, they've already started the fight for assets. Mm. And this is what happened. Remember, the Soviet Union, all assets were owned by the state. And when it collapsed, they were going back to private sector. So imagine, imagine uh, a territory four times as big as America and all assets are up for grabs. That's what I experienced. You just sent me on a path that I will pursue Russia owning all assets. And then when it collapsed, try to figure out how to bring back innovation and individual prosperity. Last segment, roll route just ahead. Well, in today's world, many people are talking about nitric oxide as a part of healthy living, but Dr. Nathan Bryan steps in here because how do we know the difference between one nitric oxide supplement and another one, Nathan? Well, there's several things you look for. Is the people that are that are formulated or backing that product ever published a paper in the nitric oxide literature? Do they know anything about the basic enzymology and biochemistry of nitric oxide? Because here's what people do. Put a lot of ingredients in a bag or in a capsule and call it nitric oxide. You have to understand how the human body makes nitric oxide. You got to understand what goes wrong in people that can't make it. And then you got to pro- provide product technology that actually fixes the reason you can't make nitric oxide. If you're low in testosterone, you don't give precursors or things because you've lost the ability to produce testosterone testosterone. What do you do? You actually give the actual molecules. Same thing with women with hormone replacement. Full details and order the product at no2u.com. That's N-O, number two, letter U.com. Put trend as your coupon code and I pay the shipping. Wait a minute. That's not good. Don't forget, you don't need to go to the store. We deliver tender beef to your door. cpbeef.com. Order from the Protein Plethora today. Welcome back. Roll out, Trent Lewis, alongside J.C. Cole, who was about to tell me that what happened this week, and then I distracted him with stunning Russian and Latvian women. All right, what happened this week? I'm still stunned. Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Your stunning lasted a lifetime because you brought home a wife, right? Yes. So, so... um... One of the things that's that, that's going to come out, I'm, I'm, I'm searching for it, is the fight for assets. And there's a, a movie, um, I forgot what it's called, I'm looking for it, uh, my notes, that um, 
that just came out. Uh, you, you've got to watch it. I'll, I'll find it later on. Um, the last one to leave. Huh? The last the, one to leave. No, uh, here it is. Um, the Great Taking. Just oh. get the yeah. Just search for the Great Taking uh, documentary, and and uh, he's accurate. That basically all stock markets. You don't own any stocks unless you have the certificate in your hand. You don't own any stocks, and that these are all positioned by the CDCC. And I knew this years ago. And the CDCC puts them all in the hands of one company called Seed and Company, which is owned by the Rothschilds. So there is a massive fight going on for assets while everybody's blinded. The same with we talked about. The money in the bank is no longer yours. They changed the law. The money in the bank is the bank's, and you get in line if the bank goes down. So I, I uh, um, greatly recommend you watch The Great Taking. And uh, so, so one of the big things that happened was what we've talked about for a while. Stu Peters, who's a commentator, was interviewed by Alex Jones. I highly recommend you look up the first uh, interview, live Stu Peters, Alex Jones interview, because Stu Peters um, basically exposes the Israeli Zionist system. Everything we talked about. The Zionists are controlling. They control the banks. They control the stock market. They control governments, right? And it all focuses back to Israel. Israel is a Rothschild state. Anybody who argues that says it's anti-Semitic, you don't know what you're talking about, you've been programmed to flop on your back and kick up your knees and spasm, right? The Rothschilds have been, uh, through Zionism, have controlled since the Bolshevik revolution, right? They've started every major war, um, the Bolshevik Revolution, World War One, World War Two. They're trying to start World War Three. They are a death cult. And now, now you have. Uh, uh, and I sent you a link. You can look it up um, on YouTube. Just type in Biden Zionist, and he 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 comes out and he says, "I'm a Zionist." At least three different uh, times, right? And he says, "You don't have to be a Jew to be a Zionist." So it's not anti-Semitic. It's a, and now the, the very interesting is that a bunch of Jews out on, on La, uh, Los Angeles blocked the major Los Angeles freeway, right? They are anti-Zionist Jews. But our House of Representatives has voted to say anti-Zionism is anti-Semitic. So our House of Representatives are telling Jews what they believe. That's, that's who controls the House of Representatives. Well, we know, right? Epstein and, and Maxwell, who are Mossad, blackmailed our Congress with sex and other things and are controlling them, right? And now it's about ready to explode where the, anti, uh, the Zionists are being exposed. And these are the people behind pedophilia, child sacrifice, adrenochrome, uh, and, and uh, organ harvesting. It's the Zionists, not the Jews, the Zionists. So that's that's about ready to hit the hit the way. Now the honest Jews are going to wake up and 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 realize they've been following basically Satanists. Right. Um, 
I wonder if you know anything about this, but it just dawned on me that you cannot drive through the state of Utah or Idaho without seeing Zion Bank, Zion this, Zion that. And the Mormon Church, the Latter-day Saints, has always tied themselves to the terminology Zion. I wonder what the correlation there is. Well, the correlation is is uh, Israel. And actually, you look up a book, what's it called? Um, the Elders of Zion, which, mm -hmm. of course, they say doesn't exist or it was propaganda. And you go, oh, read the Elders of Zion. And, and so this is what's all playing out. And... And worse is the Zionists have something called the Samson option that if they get destroyed, they're going to take everybody with them. Right. Right. And so this is where literally where are we playing out? And those people in New York better wake up real quick because the center of Zionism, right, is New York City. The Rockefellers right there. Right. And so. If there's going to be a fight for humanity, what happens to New York and the Zionists? And and they know they're being exposed, and it goes to the top of all of the the um, uh, uh, the royal families, pedophilia, child sacrifice, adrenochrome goes to all the royal uh, royal families. Well, it's so interesting how so much of public sentiment turned in one day when news started reporting that. The Netanyahu group, which they don't call them Zionist, obviously, shot and killed three of their own as they were surrendering. Uh, right. I mean, it was like a, a, a switch just flipped. Well, well, the, it, well, that's part of it is we are in the unveiling, I think, my opinion, the unveiling, which is what uh, apocalypse means, the unveiling. And we are going to see what is behind all of this and Zionism. And you have to really start to ask, um, um, are these people even human? Mm -hmm. right? Where, um, geez, where, let's see, um, that um, there was a top, um, a top admiral for uh, the, um, uh, the British. There it is. Re, uh, retired British Admiral of the Navy um, uh, and former head of the NOAA, I don't know, said, it is time to disclose that we are in contact with non-human intelligence. Okay. Well, so we... you're getting the military coming out and the U.S. government has come out and said, there are other species here. It's not so hard to guess that some of those species want to use us as food. Well, Lloyd Austin with the Department of Defense is proving that he's not much human because what he does is like without a conscience. It was ultimately on his shoulders to go in and try to remove the Civil War reconciliation statue this week. And there's a there's the good question. What is the definition of human? Mm -hmm. Right. We, you know, and and it looks like it has to do with a soul and a moral compass. Well, now we see an awful lot of people um, uh, leading this this world that don't have a soul or a moral compass. How about was it our buddy Dick? Uh, what's his um, uh, David? Um, what what's the, the 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 congressman from Illinois? Oh, Dick Durbin. 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 Yeah, yeah. He came out and he he's blocked the exposure of the Epstein flight logs. Uh, I wonder why. 
And he's the guy who's also said, who also said, uh, we, we, we have to take these illegal immigrants and put them into our military so they can earn citizenship. Don't you agree? Don't you agree? No, I don't agree, because no. that's exactly what Lenin did. Lenin surrounded himself with the what's known as the Red Rifleman, Latvian Red Rifleman, right? The Russians wouldn't shoot on their own people. Russian soldiers would not shoot on their own people, but Latvians would shoot on Russians. And so the Latvian communists uh, protected Lenin as his private guard, right? And so that's exactly what's happening here. They're going to put the uh, mainland Chinese in as our military. Of course, they'll shoot on Americans. Who are they going to be loyal to, the United States or China, the CCP? Who do you think? So, JC, what I find most fascinating about this is that you can find a parallel, and you've already shared probably 12 of them today in this, in this conversation, a parallel between Lenin, the Bolshevik Revolution, what took place, which is all post-World War I, but it's also post 1918, where you have this world pandemic, supposedly, that is to rival COVID-19. I don't, COVID-19 was not what everybody told us it was, but. And if you actually looked at that Spanish flu, they said, oh, wear a mask, wear a mask, wear a yeah, mask. And right. at that time, they said masks are useless. So we're in a battle of belief systems. Again, it's a belief. But oh, all well, you have to be is a student of history, and you can see right through all of this. Well, who controls the history? The, the victors. Me. Pick me. Pick me. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Let's get on to some of this. I mean. Yeah, uh, a minute I mean, and a half. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but we only have a minute and a half. Okay. What happened this uh, week in history of significance? Um, uh, December 16th, 1773, the Boston Tea Party, where, where 60 um, uh uh, Boston uh, American patriots disguised as Mohawk Indians <laughs> threw 342 chests of tea into the harbor. Um, that's a false flag, by the way. You know, blaming it on the Mohawks. Thank you mm -hmm. very much. Right. And, um, and and then, of course, there's December 24th, 1914, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, um, when thousands of British, Belgium, and French soldiers put down their rifles, stepped out of their trenches and spent Christmas with the German enemy celebrating on the Western Front. We're human. We don't want to go to war. Who sent us to war? The Rothschilds. They're not human. Right. There was, and, a, and there was a bit of a, a civil movie. war where we had that same occurrence with the North and the there's South. A great movie called uh, Joy uh, Noel that, that shows it. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then, of course, a very famous one, December 25th, 1776. George Washington crossed the Delaware River into New Jersey and defeated 1,400 Hessians. Actually, caught them by surprise, right? And we have a country, which we have to now fight to keep. We've given you a representative republic. It's up to you to keep it. J.C. Cole, Trent Lewis, we've journeyed down the path connecting food producers and food consumers. Merry Christmas, J.C. Merry Christmas, Trent. All roads do lead to a roll route. And we're going to finish up today with High Plains Apache and Simpson Farm Enterprises and the Apache Sprayer Technology 
You know, we can talk about reliability. We can talk about sprayer technology. We could talk about the events coming to Great Bend on February 13th and Ransom, Kansas on February the 14th. But the reality is it's all about the people you want to do business with and the service that's behind the scene that you, when you are in a time of need, will step up and do what you need done. SimpsonFarm.com, HighPlainsApache.com. Call them. You'll see what I'm saying.